Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. We've been in a series on, on sons, not servants. And that's what I'm going to be preaching from this morning. Earlier in the week, I, you know, I come on Wednesdays and I, I teach as well. And this, this is my last year teaching. I'll be full-time at the church by May. Hallelujah. Um, but uh, Wednesdays are my day that I, I come and I, I prepare and I pray. And, and I had a whole new series prepared. I had been praying about it. I had said to our leadership team Tuesday, I said, I don't know what I'm preaching on next. And, and so I had this outline and I felt I'd heard from the Lord. And Thursday, I don't typically come here Thursday nights because I've got to be up early to teach on Fridays. But Thursday night, I felt the Lord drawing me to the sanctuary. So I said, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to the church. And about 10 o'clock, I got here and I'm sitting where I normally sit right there in the front. And the Lord said... I gave you that that series, but I'm not done talking about sons. And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) What do you want to talk about then? And he took me to Luke chapter 15 and began to download a message out of the prodigal son. And I I want to speak to you this morning on the robe of righteousness. Because I think some of you have lost your robe. And the Lord wants to, to reclothe you this morning with the robe. So I'm taking it from the story of Luke 15. And uh, we're going to jump down to verse 17. Most of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. He comes to his father and he says, Dad, I I want all my inheritance ahead of time. And I want to go live my own life. I I want everything that you are going to give me when you die. I want it now. And I'm going to go do my own thing. And so that's what he does. And he finds himself in a pig's pen. And that's where we're going to take it from this morning. But I I want you to know that the son here wants to be treated like a servant because his behavior had been bad. But we'll find that the father still treats him like a son. And I, I know that we serve the Lord. And I know that most of the apostles, when they began their epistles, they wrote it that they were servants of Christ. And they, they said we're servants. And I know we're servants. And I know we serve. But I need to clarify something this morning. Because here's the main thing. We are not sons because we serve. We serve because we're sons. And that, that if you take one thing away from it this morning, we are not sons because we serve. Your identity is not because of what you do. It is because of who He is. We are sons because of birthright, not because of behavior. I want to say that one more time because some of you, the Lord wants to break some of you out of a servant mindset this morning. And He wants to break off a a slave mentality that some of you have been living in and you've not had access to the Father's inheritance because you have viewed yourself as a slave and a servant and have not identified yourself as a son. And, And ladies, don't get offended that I'm just using sons this morning. It's just a whole lot easier than to have to say sons and daughters every time. And men, God calls us the bride of Christ. So ladies... We get called the bride. You can get called a son this morning. We are sons and daughters because of birthright, not behavior. And when the son returns, the the prodigal son returns to the father, the father gives him three gifts. And so we're going to take the next three weeks to look at these three gifts because I believe it's going to shift our mentality. 
And it's going to bring us into a dimension of breakthrough in our identity. He gives him a robe. He gives him a ring. And he gives him shoes. So we're going to talk about the robe of righteousness and what that means, all right? So we're going to read a little bit of Luke 15. And I, I want you to notice how many times you'll see the word sons. It's laying a foundation this morning. Or you'll see the word servant. And I'm going to show you some things that out of all my years of preaching, especially out of Luke 15, I've preached the prodigal son so many times. I've preached it called the tale of two sons. But I caught something this week that changed my life and my prayers that it'll change your life. So out of Luke 15, I want you to jump down to verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have bread enough and despair, and yet I perish here with hunger? Verse 18. I will arise. I grabbed the wrong Bible. Up there, it's New King James. This is King James. So the translation is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to read from here, but follow up there. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called your son. That says I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Next verse. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Next verse. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy. Bring peace to that children's room in Jesus' name. But the father said to his servants, notice he didn't even let him finish. Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this was my son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found and they began to celebrate. You know, I love the word of God. You can open up the Word and see something you've never seen before. And that's what happened to me this week. In that verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself, you know, the prodigal son is sitting in a pig pen, and he comes to himself. What that really means in the Greek is he understood he'd been an idiot. <laughs> we'll give a pause for a second. Don't you love children? How many of us have behaved like that as adults? <laughs> Talking about prodigals this morning, right? He said, how many of my father's hired servants? I just want you to notice that word hired. Because he's talking about employees here, okay? He's not talking about slaves. He's talking about employees, people who aren't enslaved. Hired, they get paid for what they do. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? And I just want to simply remind you, we, we talk a lot about provision. and We talk about the blessed life and we talk about the things that God provides for us. It has nothing to do with the car you drive. It has nothing to do with the house you live in 
or anything like that. It means we have more than enough. It means we have more than enough to provide for our family and to help others. So he's saying, even my father's employees have more than enough, more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. Here he is in the pig pen, and he says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Now we're going to come back to this phrase, but, but I want you to catch this this morning. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There's that word son. I want you to hold on to that this morning. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've already seen the word servants. He says, treat me as one of your hired servants. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me like a servant. Hold on to that because he has worked up this speech and he gets to the father and the father doesn't even let him finish it. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Treat me as a servant. He, he, he has this mentality. I'm not good enough to be your son. It says he arose and came to his father, but while he was a long way off. I want you to get that this morning. When he was a far away off, the father was actively watching and waiting. Some of you are a long way off and need to know the father is looking for you. He is waiting. There's a great song by Phillips Craig and Dean. It says, the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me. It says, while he was a long way off, the father saw him, felt compassion, and ran. I want you to know this morning, if you're far away off and you start running towards him, he'll run right to you. And the son said to him, remember his speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, didn't even let him finish. He says, but the father said, here's the son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then it says, but the father said. I love that word, but. Some of you are in a season, you need a but God. You need to know, but the father said. Said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. And put it on and put a ring on his hand. And we're going to look at that over the next several weeks. And they begin to celebrate. But I want to talk about that robe of righteousness. Because he doesn't get to finish his speech. And here's the first thing you need to know about these gifts. And we'll get to point one in a moment. But I just want to explain a little bit. Each of these gifts are something you would give to a son. But you would take away from a servant. You would take away the servant's robe when they were disobedient. You would take away the signet ring when the servant was disobedient. But the father says, give him the best robe. Put a ring on his hand and get some shoes on his feet. <clears throat> John 8.35 says this, A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Galatians 4 says this, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. By the way, John 8 is saying you're no longer a slave to sin. And Galatians 4 is saying you're no longer a slave to the law. And John 15, 15, Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. You need to know this morning that you are a son. 
You need to know your identity. So what does the robe represent again? It's the robe of righteousness. And I'm going to show you several scriptures throughout the message, but I want to start with this one. Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means right standing with God. Right standing with God. So I do have points for you. Here's the first point. Earned or a gift? Earned or a gift? This will change everything for you. When you get this this morning, this will change everything in your life. And you can't imagine, because I could go around this morning and I could ask how many of you, is righteousness earned or a gift? And all of you would say it's a gift, but you live like it's earned. We, we can say with our mind, oh, the righteousness of God is free. I'm made righteous by His blood. But we live like servants. And this changes everything. When you begin to recognize that righteousness is a gift, it changes the way you see God. It changes everything about the way you see yourself. It changes everything about the way you see your behavior, your performance, everything about the way we see others, everything about the way you treat yourself, everything about the way you treat others, everything about the way you treat God. Because when you recognize that righteousness is a gift your whole identity changes you stop living like you need to earn his righteousness wow Siri you can't imagine how if I could flip this switch in you I wish I could. I wish I could come to each one of you, just put my hands on you, and all of a sudden you'd understand that it's a gift, that it's 100% a gift and 0% earned. Tell me what the prodigal son had done to earn these gifts to the father. Nothing. He hadn't done anything to earn these gifts. He'd been a prodigal. He'd had wasteful living, living without restraint. That's what prodigal means. It means to live without restraint, especially in the area of sex, promiscuity, and drinking. He was living it up in these areas. He was far away. And when he had spent it all, it says a famine hit the land. So not only had he done everything to waste what the father had given him, now he was found without anything. He was at the lowest point. So what had he done to earn these gifts? Nothing. They were gifts. But I want you to notice what he says. And I've said it already, but I'm going to say it so many times because we live like this. And I preached on this message and I had never seen this before. It caught me in a new way. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know what that tells me? This means at some point he thought he was worthy. At some point he thought he was worthy. He, he didn't say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. He says, I'm no longer worthy. I had never caught that this, until this week. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I know for myself, I don't know how many times I've come before the Lord and said, I'm no longer worthy. I've done this. I've done that. I've had this attitude. And I think to myself, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
And here's where the, the prodigal is. We don't even know his name. We just know he's a son. He says, I'm no longer worthy. He, he, he lives with this mentality. When I stayed at home, I was worthy. When I did all the right things, I was worthy. How many of us, we come to church and if we've had a bad week, we think, I can't even lift my hands in worship because I'm not worthy. We think, oh, I, I missed a day of Bible reading or I've, I've done this or if I lift my hands, I'm a hypocrite. Nobody knows what I did this week. Nobody knows what I did last night. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son or daughter. And then when we have a good week, we say, well, I read my devotionals. I prayed. I'm worthy to lift my hands this week. I'm worthy to be in the presence of God this week. So this week, I'm worthy. Well, let me just give you some good news and maybe some bad news for some of you. You were never worthy. You were never worthy. We were never worthy to lift our hands. We were never worthy. But we have this idea that our behavior is what makes us sons. If you do your devotional all seven days, if you show up to prayer meeting every week, if you serve on every team in the church, you still wouldn't be worthy. So let me show you a few verses. Now in Romans 4, that's where we're going to head. It's talking about Abraham. And it quotes some Old Testament scriptures to back it up. And then it applies it to us. And I'll go back to that scripture about Abraham. But I want to start with this. Romans 4, 6 says, Just as David also describes the blessedness. That, that word blessed also means happy. So let me read it this way. The happiness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Let me say it another way. To whom God balances his account of righteousness apart from works. That word impute means to balance the account. So it means he balances everything out apart from our works. Romans 4.23 says this. Now it was not written for his sake alone. Now this is talking about Abraham. That it was imputed to him, but also for us. It was written for us. It shall be imputed to us. Our accounts shall be balanced to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Is it earned righteousness? No. It's a gift. It's imputed. It's free. So you cannot say, I'm not worthy this week. Because I want you to know you weren't worthy last week and you won't be worthy next week. So here's the scripture where Romans 4 kind of puts it all together. But I want to show you a different word. In the English, it's the exact same Greek word for imputed. It's the same Greek word of the one I just read, all right? Romans 4, 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And what? It was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, when Abraham believed God, when he put his faith in God, God put righteousness in Abraham's account. And the reason he can do that is because he put Abraham's sin into his son's account. The reason your account got balanced is because God took your debt out of your account and put his assets in your account. I need you to get this this morning. Your righteousness could never have been earned because your debt was far too great. 
But what God did is he stepped out of eternity. He looked in your account and he said, I'll take all of the debt from your account. I'll put that in my son's account and I'm going to take everything I've got and I'm going to put it in your account. How many of us wish the bank would do that? Balance out our accounts, take all of our debt and put their assets in our account. Well, that's what the king of the universe did because we could have never earned the robe of righteousness. We could have never put it on ourselves, but Christ hung on that cross so that he could put a robe on you, so he could cover you, so he could fill your account with his assets. Here's the second thing I want to tell you. Here's point number two. Don't listen to the accuser. We're going to look at a verse out of Zechariah. Point number two should be there. Don't listen to the accuser. Don't listen to the accuser. In Zechariah, there's a beautiful picture and we're we're going to look at it. It's perfect. It's perfect how God clothes us, removes our iniquity and gives us a robe of righteousness. In this scripture that we're about to read, it's talking about Joshua. Joshua who led the children into the promised land and then served as the high priest. And that's who we're looking at. That word Joshua, it means God is salvation. So so I want you to catch that this morning because this is talking about Joshua, the high priest. Zechariah 3.1 Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing Before the angel of the Lord. Now you need to understand, whenever scripture says the angel of the Lord, capital A, that's referring to Jesus in the Old Testament. So here is Joshua standing before Jesus and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, notice where he's standing, at his right hand. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this, now referring to Joshua, not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity. That's what the filthy garments stood for. I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. I've removed your iniquity. Iniquity comes from a root word, inequity. So it means unequal. None of us are equal with God. So you put all of the good that you've ever done and you'll never be equal with God. You need to get that this morning for where we're about to go because you're about to to put on the robe. The only way you could ever come into equality. Now, we're not talking about identity equality. We're talking about righteousness here. Into equality with God is to invite Jesus into your life who's equal with God. So he says, I've removed your filthy garments. Now, here's what all of us think. That means his sin, right? That's that's where we go. He's removed all of his sin. But he says, I've removed your iniquity. So it is sin, but I'd like to take it just a little bit further this morning. Because this is where the Lord just smacked me around. 
This is where the Lord got me on the front row. There were two trees in the garden, right? There was the tree of life and there was the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. See, we think a lot about iniquity as only being evil. But I want you to understand, even what you've done that is good isn't God. Because we think in this way, what is good and what is bad. But that's not the way we're called to think. What is life and what is death? Because the tree of good and evil was death. Even what is good, if it's not God, we're eating from the wrong tree. And we often think that I'm trying to choose between what is good and what is bad. But Isaiah 64, 6 says this, All of our righteousnesses, that word righteousnesses, our good thoughts and good deeds are like filthy rags. All of it. Every good thing that we could do outside of God is still a filthy rag. It's still a filthy garment. Here's what I'm trying to say. The best thing about me is still not as good about as the worst thing of God. Not that God has any bad things. But if I really try to try and equal it out, I will still be clothed in my inequity. Because in and of myself, what I wear is iniquity. And so he removes that iniquity. That's one thing. But I love the second thing that he does. He rebukes the accuser. Remember he said Satan was standing at the right hand. He was standing at the right hand and the Lord rebuked him. This is good. If you don't get it this morning, your wood's wet. Revelation 12 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them. That word accused is past tense there. Before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, some believe this happened at the fall of the world, at the beginning of the world. Some believe this happened at the second coming. Some believe this happened at the cross. But what I want to show you this morning, this is so key. Remember, Satan was standing at the right hand. And I want to combine that with another scripture, Romans 8, 34. Who is he who condemns? In other words, who could condemn God's elect? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. I love that word furthermore. And furthermore, who is even at the right hand of God. And furthermore, who makes intercession. You need to get this this morning. Some of you have been living as though you have an accuser. But the word says the accuser was thrown out from the right hand. And now you have an intercessor, an advocate before God, who is standing at the right hand, who is making intercession on your behalf so that you don't have to live in your iniquity anymore. You don't have to wear the filthy garments. He is making intercession on your behalf at the right hand. Your accuser 
accuser has no voice before the Father, and yet you've been listening to the accuser, bringing up your past, saying you're no longer worthy to be the son. But Jesus is standing at the right hand, saying, sons, come home. I've already paid the price. My righteousness was imputed to you. You didn't earn it. It's yours. Hallelujah. You used to have an accuser at the right hand of God. Now you have an advocate. So Jesus removes iniquities. He rebukes the accuser. And then what does he do? It says, clothe him. He robes him. Because why? He doesn't leave us naked. Remember, he says to Joshua, not only am I going to remove your filthy garments, I'm going to clothe you. I love what it says. I'm going to clothe you with rich robes. Mm. And by that rich, if we went to Revelation, should be a scripture there on Revelation. It says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. See, hear me this morning. Everyone thinks of heaven and we talk about his gold streets. That's not what it is. That's not what makes God rich. Ephesians 2, I say it every Sunday, our God who is rich in mercy. That's how rich he is. He's rich enough to forgive your sins. He's rich enough to pay the full penalty for you. He's rich enough that Jesus did as a substitution. Here's a good theological word, propitiary. Blood bought salvation. He paid for it with himself. That's what Jesus did for you completely. That's how rich he is. I got saved at four. But it wasn't until Thursday night, sitting at this seat, that I began to understand that I didn't have to wear shame anymore. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because for so long, we go around and we think, oh, I have to be ashamed of what happened. I had this happen in my life. I had this happen in my life. I did this. I did that. But he removes. He takes off the filthy garments. He removes them completely. They're gone. And then he robes you. See, I think we're good with the idea that he removes our sin. But we think that God will leave us naked. We're good with the idea that Jesus saved us, but we're not good with the idea that we still have a seat at the table. We come to God and we're like, you rescued me, but let me live as a servant. Let me just serve you, God. Let me just live as though I have to do something to prove I'm worthy. You were never worthy. He proved you're worthy because he was worthy. You have got to stop living as a servant in the house of the Lord. You have nothing to prove because you could never prove it. He did it. So I don't care how bad your sin was. I don't care how far off. No one could have gotten as low as the prodigal son. 
He was eating with the pigs. And it says he still wasn't full. Your sin will never make you full. And he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me just live because I recognize that even servants in the house of God have enough to eat. Listen, you can serve God your whole life and you'll have more than enough. You can tithe, you can serve, but if you live as a servant, you'll never have the robe. Next week, we'll talk about the ring of authority. And that brings a whole other level to this conversation. But I I, want to stay here for a moment. He not only forgave you of all your sin, but he took away your shame. The robe was to take away, to cover you from your past. You don't have to tell everybody what you've done because you have a robe. But here's point number three. Because you have a robe, live like a son. I said it first, we're not sons because we serve, but we do serve because we're sons. So don't go live in the pig pen. Don't leave the father's house. There's no reason to do that. Talking about righteousness is a gift. But listen, we should still live righteously. We now have the power of the Holy Spirit to live righteously. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. If you've ever been in the car with me, you know I'm not perfect. I have a heavy foot and a bad attitude. And I'm constantly taking it to the cross. Even though we're not going to be perfect, it does mean we ought to try to be righteous and live righteously. I was overseas one time and I was in this store and I got really annoyed. Because it was taking forever to get what I needed. And there was two people working in this store, and they're just sitting behind the counter, chatting it up. And I'm thinking, i got to go. I need to get back to the hotel room. I've got to go prepare. I need to go be with Jesus. And you guys are just sitting there. And I wanted to say to them, listen, I will give you a big tip if you just hurry up. It wasn't that righteous, okay? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I felt someone walk up next to me. And I turn over, and I lo- or I look over, and there's a father and a son standing there. And he says, excuse me, are you Jacob Biswell? Now, I hadn't been unrighteous to these people yet. I was about to. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I am. And the son goes, I just want you to know, last night, I was deaf from birth and I got healed in the meeting. Could you imagine had I chosen to live unrighteously? The words that the deaf boy would have heard would have been me cussing out the people behind the counter. So just because righteousness is a free gift doesn't mean I have permission to live unrighteously. We are still called to live as sons and part of living as sons is that our witness is consistent. 
Revelation 19, when it talks about the bride, it says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So let me wrap this up this morning. There's righteousness, a robe of righteousness that I get just because I accept Jesus as my Savior. But it says when I go to heaven, there will be a fine cloth that I'm arrayed with because of my righteous acts here on the earth. That's part of my reward. So the robe I wear on earth was freely given. The robe I wear in heaven is because I decided to live as though I was wearing the robe on earth. Let me say that again. The robe that I wear on earth was freely received, freely given to me. The robe I'll wear in heaven is because I decided to live with the robe on earth. My righteous acts are weaving my robe in heaven. I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. I'm not righteous by my performance. I'm righteous by His performance. I'm tempted to live unrighteously sometimes. And that's when I have to rely on the Holy Spirit. So your robe is free this morning. If you're in this room and you've never made Jesus your Savior. As I already said, Ephesians 2 says that God is rich in mercy. He was so rich, He paid with Himself to save you from your sin. If you've never surrendered to Christ this morning, there's three things that you need to do. First, you need to believe. You need to believe that He paid for you. The second thing that you need to do is confess your need for Him. Confess that you need Him to rescue you from your unrighteousness. And the third thing is you repent, which means you say not just you're sorry, but you change your mind about the way that you lived. If that's you this morning, you need to do those three things. I want you to slip up your hand. You want to believe that the Lord, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth and repent. If that's you this morning, you've never made a decision to follow Christ this morning. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you need to renew that commitment. Maybe you're watching online this morning. If that's you, we had someone get saved online last week. If that's you this morning, you want to make a decision to follow Christ. I want you to slip up your hand and in just a moment we're going to pray together. You may be watching online. Church, let's pray together this morning. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You paid the price. I confess that I need a Savior. That without you, I'm unrighteous. And I repent of my unrighteousness of my sin. Today, I choose to follow you, to make you Lord, to make you Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. most important decision a person could ever make is to believe, confess, and repent, and then follow Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.